if you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. Hey, what's going on, SaaS sales players? It's me, Jesse, and it's been a while since I sat down, turned on a mic, and had a conversation like this. So I thought I'd put together a quick episode today, and I wanted to do it on a topic that I think is top of mind for many of you out there listening. And the reason I think this is because I've had a lot of conversations over the last few weeks with folks that are trying to get into SaaS sales, uh, or maybe they're new in, in their, their SaaS sales career, and they're wondering about quotas. And I think it's a really important topic to address and something that I want to make sure gets a light shined on it because it might be something that scares a lot of people away from this profession and it doesn't need to be that way. Yes, a, carrying a quota can be a stressful thing. It can be a weight on your shoulders or a target on your back, as I've heard it said in the industry. But I don't think that it's as black and white as a lot of you might think it is. And I know that's the case because early on in my career or even before I got into the industry, I just assumed that if you didn't hit your quota, you were going to get fired. Whether that was after one month or one quarter or a year, it didn't really matter. I just figured that was going to be what happened, right? So I want to address that it's a bit more of a gray area than that. It's not quite that black and white. Uh, another question that I'm getting a lot is, so how, who sets quotas? How do quotas uh, get created? Is it you know a specific data-backed number or is it uh, you know a number on a dartboard that somebody sets up, right? You know, and also what happens if, uh, you know, what are some ways that you can hit your quota once you have one and, and ensure that you hit it every single quarter or month or year or whatever it is, right? So quick episode again, just want to walk through a couple of ideas and strategies for quota achievement. And let's get really specific here and break down SaaS quotas. So first, the big elephant question in the room, which is, if I get into SaaS sales, am I going to get fired if I don't hit my quota? The, the short answer is not really, no. Uh, there's a lot more nuance to it than just a black and white, you know, you didn't hit this number, so you're gone without any questions asked, right? Typically, there's some factors that, uh, you know, go into, you know, that go into uh, what happens if you don't hit your quota. First of all, every SaaS seller gets a ramp period. So when you start a new role, especially as a field seller and typically as an SDR and inside seller as well, but definitely as a field seller, you have a number of months uh, to, to start to build a sales pipeline first. Uh, and you're not typically expected to deliver deals very quickly if you start a new role. You usually have a, a range of time and it depends on the position you're in in your company. If you're selling mid-market or corporate deals, if you're selling enterprise or strategic deals, that, that time frame is going to be different. But for a lot of mid-market, it's probably somewhere between 30 to, to 90 days of ramp time. They call it ramp 
Uh, so you have 30 to 90 days of ramp time for an enterprise rep. It might be more like 90 to 180 days of ramp or even more in some cases. I'm aware of some top selling roles out there that have a 12 or 15 or even 18 month ramp period because it takes that long to close a deal. And I think it's Jason Limkin talks about how to structure that. He writes mostly to SaaS founders, but one of the metrics is, is you typically take how long your average deal cycle is and it's either one or two X that or something like that. I'll look it up, but there's a somewhat of a formula to it for most companies, especially the bigger the company you go to, the more uh, data backed that's going to be. So, you know, definitely worth asking if you're interviewing for a SaaS job, try to understand what the ramp time frame is. Hell, even better, try to put together a plan that uh, showcases to your new hiring manager what your, how quickly you expect to ramp based on your past results or based on your expectations and uh, you know goals for the role. But again, most companies will have a ramp period so you can start to build sales pipeline before you're expected to be to be delivering revenue for the business, right? So that's one thing. And then, you know, the other thing is it's not so nuanced, right? There's good and bad months, there's good and bad quarters, years, et cetera, right? There's hardly any reps out there that just consistently never miss. It does happen. There are absolutely reps that just never miss their numbers, but for the most part, you're going to have, uh, especially as you get into larger, more strategic deals, there's going to be periods of time where you're just not hitting because you're building towards closing that big, massive deal that, you know, could help you take you, it could help take you to your annual number. So you may miss a quarter or two on the way to hitting the full year number by closing a massive deal. So that's, uh, you know, one thing to think about. So it's not usually that black and white. Most managers aren't going to walk you out after one month or one quarter of not achieving especially if, and this is where I want to get into some ideas for what you can do as a counter to missing your quota. And this is something I've done my entire career, which is if you're putting in the work and you're putting in the activity and you've got a plan to succeed, typically you're not going to get in trouble if you miss one quarter, two quarters, even, you know, a month, two months, three months, whatever it is, right? Even missing a year, uh, it happens. It does happen. And as long as you can showcase that you've put the work in and the effort in and that you've used all of the resources at your disposal to close deals and get deals done and try to achieve that number, typically you're, you know, you're going to be received with understanding. Management gets that there's bad months, bad quarters, bad years, right? It does happen. If you go back and listen to some of the guests that I've had on the show, even folks like Ian Koniak, Jamal Reimer, who are these top elite sellers in the space, they talk all the time about how, uh, you know, I think Jamal was the one who said he got fired for underperformance at one point. Ian talks about how he missed, I think it was a whole annual quota after hitting for four years. So pretty crazy stuff. Even the most elite reps in the industry have bad periods of time where they just don't have deals coming through. Now, what the top reps do is they're able to, they're, they're always working. I've always said sales is a lifestyle, it's not a career. So you're always building this momentum, even in your personal time in some cases, because you're just so passionate about closing these deals. So as long as you can sort of exude that or show that to your leadership, and that comes in a lot of different flavors, I'll try to break down a few that I do, just to make sure that if I do have a bad month or quarter, that I can speak to it uh, with the other data points and show that that's, you know, look, it was a blip, but I'm building towards a big quarter or big year, whatever that is. Um, some things you can do is obviously increase the amount of phone calls you make. If you're not achieving or you don't think you're going to achieve this month or quarter, 
pick up the number of phone calls you're making. That's one of the fastest, you know, one of the best indicators to management that you're engaged, that you're motivated, that you're doing everything in your power to succeed. So up the amount of cold calls you make per day, up the amount of emails you're sending per day, up the amount of people you're networking with on LinkedIn per day. Some other things you can do is start to go and leverage channel partners or other internal resources at your company. Is there, uh, you know, is there connections to your executive leadership that might be potential prospects? And how do you go and sort of showcase to your leadership that you're trying to uncover those relationships and those opportunities? So these are all things that I do. I, I do these things all the time anyway. But as I do them, I get a little bit more grace, if you will, from my leadership because they know that I'm pushing really hard to be successful and that I'm really trying and doing everything I can. And sometimes the timing just doesn't allow for someone to hit their quota, right? So let's, ad uh, let's address the other question that I'm getting a lot is like, who sets quotas? How do these numbers come up? Are these, uh, you know, very well thought out data backed numbers? I'll tell you that in a lot of cases, especially in early stage companies, they're not. A lot of times quotas are set based on a general standard that exists in tech. So one of those numbers, for example, is most tech companies believe that enterprise sellers should have a $1.2 million annual quota. And that's more or less the quote unquote industry standard. So a lot of companies just adopt that blanket amount, regardless of their product, regardless of their marketing efforts, regardless, uh, regardless of product market fit. And so that can be a little bit problematic because if you come into a really early stage company and they don't have lead flow, they don't have a marketing team that's generating business, they don't have a brand built, they don't have any kind of reputation, it can be really hard to hit a $1.2 million quota. A lot of times these numbers are just, I don't want to call them pulled out of a hat, but a lot of times the, the, the board of directors or the investors in the business will say, well, we also invested in this other SaaS company and uh, their, their, their reps were quoted at $1.2 million. So you should probably do the same thing. So that is one of the unfortunate realities of working in SaaS is a lot of times you don't have full control or full say over what your quote is going to be. I do think, you know, it's worth having conversations and open conversations with your direct manager. And I'm, I've never really seen anyone get a quota lowered. So I think that's sort of asinine and probably not worth the time. Instead, I have a few other ways that I shift my mindset. If I feel like a quota is too high, and at this point in my career, I just embrace any quota and say, let's just figure out how we can do it, right? Let's work backwards into it rather than sit and, you know, stress about it or gripe about it. Let's just figure out what we need to do to get it done. And let's just try to get as close to it as possible or get above it. Like what levers do we need to pull to get there? And if it's consistent where you're just not going to be able to hit it, then hopefully your managements and your, your executive leadership are reasonable enough to reassess it every year. Right? So how do I think about quotas? And how does it not stress me out and not make me lay awake all night worried about it? Because I think that's a question that a lot of you might have out there is, man, I'm, I'm so stressed out. I got to hit this quota. I don't want to get fired. I don't want to, you know, not get paid, et cetera. You know, one of the nice things about SaaS sales is, you know, you do still make a base salary. So no matter what, you, you're living on a base salary. The commissions are pure gravy. They're upside and they're, you know, intended to help support your growth and, and the rest of your lifestyle, right? So that's one of the nice things about SaaS is it's not a commission only. Most SaaS companies are not commission only. And honestly, I'd say if you're looking at a role and they're talking about putting you in a commission only plan, run away. I think there's too many other opportunities that do include a base salary. So why waste time in a commission only role? So how do I think about it? Well, I don't really hone in too much on my quota. 
I have a, a personal formula that I use and I, I actually set my own targets based on my own personal financial goals. So I sort of detach my achievement from the you know semi-arbitrary number that my company sets for me to hit every quarter. And instead I think about how much money I wanna make. And I had a, a mentor in sales who helped me sort of develop this dream number. And I'll, I'll share what that is or how you can do that yourself. And what, one of the things you can do is you can look at maybe some of your uh, you know, liabilities or your debts or uh, your obligations in, in your finances. So if you own a house, that might be your mortgage. If you have a car payment, that might be the, you know, the balance on your car note. Uh, maybe it's student loans, maybe it's personal loans, credit cards, whatever that is. And you sort of just total up that number. And that's like your freedom number, right? So let's just say you have, uh, you know, a $400,000 mortgage on a house and a $25,000 uh, car loan. $10,000 in student loans. And uh, yeah, let's just call it that. So I think that's about 435,000 in liabilities. What would happen if you hit a $435,000 commission check? You could actually pay all of those liabilities off and you'd be completely financial for, uh, financially free. So uh, maybe it's more worthwhile rather than to sit and hone in on, I need to hit this arbitrary number that my manager set for me or my, my CEO or VP of sales set for me. Maybe it's, what would I need to do in 2022 to pay off my mortgage, to pay off my car loan, to pay off my student loans. What do I need to do? The number's 435,000. How can I earn 435,000 this year? How does that break out by quarter? What do I need to earn per month? What do I need to be doing day after day, week over week to in order to build the momentum to actually get that done? And so this is how I think about my financial goals. Uh, even if you don't hit that 435 number, I'm using that as an example, by the way, your number could be totally different, maybe lower, maybe higher. But even if you don't hit that number and you come close to it though, or you, you, know, you hit half of that, you can always try again next year and finish off next year, right? And that's the beauty of this business is commissions are uncapped. Yes, you do have a quota. Yes, you are responsible to, to delivering revenue for your business. But I don't think it's worthwhile to sit and stew about it or stress about it. And I think it's a better mindset exercise to think about what's possible and what's beneficial to you and how you can make the most money possible in this career and you know, basically build, your life, build yourself a life of financial freedom that's ultimately stress-free, hassle-free, all that stuff. So that's how I approach quotas. I don't hone in on the specific number. I do want to achieve them. I do try everything in my power to do so. And I'm realistic about what's possible. That's the other thing that I've learned, you know, especially in the last few years. I used to just put a bunch of stuff out there and, and I was more wishful and hopeful about it. And now I try to be pretty, you know, stoic or realistic about what's even possible. And if there's something that's even shaky, I move it out to the next month, the next quarter, or even the next year, if that's the case, right? And I'm very transparent with my management and my leadership about what I think I can achieve based on what I've got. And then I also uh, you know, try to hone in on what I'm doing to close that gap. So these are some thoughts about quotas. Hopefully these were helpful to you. Thanks for tuning in. I'm gonna try to make a couple of more episodes like this here in the next couple of days. Please reach out if I can help you in any way. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I've got a secret weapon for you that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come along with using one of the big player CRM systems. That secret weapon is Close CRM. Now let's face it, we've all been there. We've used a clunky, confusing system that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, fear not, Close is here to save your time, money, and sanity. Close has all of the powerful sales tools you need, minus the drama, to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets effortlessly. 
It has calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and it even has meeting tracking built right in. It's easy to set up and implement. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing customers today. You can start a free trial using the link in the show notes, special for SSP fans. 